Know Your Food with Warty, episode 127. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 127. See you there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalfglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey everyone, welcome. Let's start out with the tip of the week and it is for a green smoothie, but this green is in quotation marks because if you've been a traditional foodie for a while, you know that um, leafy greens are not all they're cracked up to be. And I'm not knocking spinach or kale or all that, but just like we take care to prepare our grains to neutralize phytic acid, we should also do so with leafy greens because they have something called oxalic acid and it can really cut up our insides it's like shards of glass and it can um, interfere with mineral absorption and the simple way to take care of it is just to steam your greens well those green smoothies that are all the rage use raw greens Um, and I'm not doubting that people are getting healthy on green smoothies and you know coming off the standard American diet it's probably better than anything but I'm not an advocate of long-term use of green smoothies. Of course, if you take those leafy greens and you steam them and then you uh, drain them and add them to your smoothie or you could dehydrate them and add a a pre-steamed green powder to your smoothies, that's wonderful. Well, the green smoothie I'm gonna share with you today is from Andrea and it was published recently on the Traditional Cooking School blog and it's a green in quotation marks smoothie. Feel free to add steamed greens or the green powder I was mentioning that was pre-steamed and dried, if you'd like. But this is a green smoothie that doesn't have leafy greens. So if you're not a fan of leafy greens, this is very a healthy option for you that doesn't have the leafy greens. It's still green, though. So what you're going to do is in your um, blender on high, and I love the Vitamix or the Blendtec, you're going to do two stalks of celery, a small carrot, a small Granny Smith apple, some coconut water, one cup, and a quarter cup of cilantro, along with a teaspoon of ginger. And, you know, depending on your blender, you're going to, you know, trim your veggies, of course, and they're clean, but you may have to cut them up into smaller pieces. Um, The apple could go into quarters or eighths. If you want to remove the core and seeds, do so. The Vitamix will just pulverize it. You don't need to take out the seeds if you don't want to or the core. So it really depends on your blender. But you're going to combine all those things, and then you're going to blend, and you're going to have a delicious, healthy, wonderful, green, in quotation marks, smoothie. I have the recipe online for you if you just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash green smoothie. Green and smoothie are one word. You can see a beautiful picture, appetizing picture, and um, more information on the issue and the recipe. So enjoy that. And just a continuation of the tip of the week. I have a great free resource for you. Now, the time this podcast airs, it's only going to be available for a couple more days. So through um, Sunday, September 6th at midnight, Eastern or 9 p.m. Pacific. 
It's a free audio course from our friends at Ultimate Bundles, Four Essential Tips for Healthy Families. So it's a four-part audio course, so kind of like a podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, I already know you love audio. Well, this is a free audio course for you, Four Essential Tips for Healthy Families. Um, the interviews are wonderful. They're with bloggers that you probably already know, Katie Kimball from Kitchen Stewardship, Heather Dessinger from Mommy Potamus, and then two others. And the topics are self-care, which is really important for those of us busy moms. And it's we're not talking selfish here. We're talking about we can better serve our families and serve God if we are taking care of ourselves. We cannot put ourselves at the bottom of the list. We have to take care of ourselves. Our families need it, and God needs it. So that's one of the courses is self-care. Another is getting fit. Another is natural health remedies, which I know you're interested in. And then, of course, whole foods, real foods. Um, You're a traditional food lover, so that's going to be right up your alley. So here's a link for you. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash four tips. That'll take you to an easy sign-up page. You'll put in your first name and your email address. And within seconds, um, you'll be getting an email back with a link to the first course and then... um, you know, every day or so, or every couple days, you'll get the next one. It is fantastic. I know that because I helped um, put it together for you, Uh, certain parts of it anyway. So I highly recommend it. So that is knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash four tips for the free audio course, four essential tips for healthy families. You do need to hurry because it's only going to be available through Sunday, September 6th at midnight Eastern. Hi, I'm Morty, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems like eczema and food allergies, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com slash free today. You know, I had so much fun sharing... um, podcast 126 about how one chiropractic visit changed our newborn son's life and health. And so I thought, let me dive back in history a little bit more. I hope you enjoyed that. But let me dive back a little bit more. And let me tell you our birth stories. I've shared this on my blog. And I'll have a link for you at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 127. By the way, if you want to hear that chiropractic story, you just go back an episode, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 126. Um, But here are our birth stories. Um, The first time I ever really wrote them down was actually not too long ago, like maybe two years ago, and I shared it on the blog, and um, we got a lot of comments, and we got a lot of people sharing it. So I'm betting, though, that not everybody has heard it, and I am thrilled about sharing it. Um, I guess to encourage you, because my our birth stories are not picture perfect there's some ups and downs and I'll I'll get into that um and so if anything I just wanted to encourage you that life is 
imperfect. And we're not always doing a perfect job at everything. And whether you've come to natural health and traditional foods, no matter what time you come to that in life, it's never too late. And what you're going to see from this story is that I came to it late. And our family is doing really well. Uh, Now, of course, we're not perfect. Who is? We're not perfect in our execution. Of course, we're not perfect in our health. Again, who is? But this is a journey. We can encourage each other, and we see so much hope when we see God's hand at work. So these are my goal. That is my goal, really, is hope and encouragement for you by sharing our birth stories. Um, I do want to give some disclaimers, and of course... um, you know, the, the bullet points of what I'm going to share today are in an original article um, at Traditional Cooking School blog from a couple years ago. You can get a link to that at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 127. Um, so you could even go there right now and follow along if you'd like. There's some pictures there. But let me give you a couple disclaimers. First of all, what I'm sharing is my opinion, and I am entitled to my opinions. Uh, I feel good saying that because actually, I don't know if it's my personality, being a woman, or what, but um, I'm not always strong in my opinions, but I feel strong saying it right now. These are my opinions. You don't have to agree. Um, You make different choices, and I applaud you, and I respect that. So don't think, because I'm sharing my opinions, and this is our story, that If you did something differently or if you would have chosen differently, whatever, I'm not judging anyone because I embrace everybody's choice and everybody's ability to to have their own opinion about um, pregnancy, birth, and child care. So I'm just sharing, not judging. Uh, Second, you know this, but I'm not a doctor or a midwife or a doula. I'm a mom who's had three babies. So... I can't, and I'm not trying to give medical advice or pregnancy advice or birth advice. Once again, just sharing our stories. And third, I'm not going to share doctor's names, midwife names, birthing facilities, cities, etc. in this story. And I'm not even going to do a minute-by-minute, play-by-play of our birth stories. I don't, I mean, it's been a while, so I don't remember the details anymore. Occasionally, my husband and I will sit down and he'll say things and I'll say, I don't even remember that. Uh, So I don't remember the details anymore, but also I'm talking about three births, you know, in trying not to go over a half hour episode here. So I don't want to bore you and I don't want it to go that long. Um, And my final disclaimer is if you go visit the actual article, we didn't have a digital camera when any of our children were born. So I don't even have any baby pictures to show you. But if you do read the original article, you'll see some photos of when the kids were young. And they are so cute. I tell them all the time because now they're all teenagers and one of them even just turned 18. I just say, you guys were so cute when you were babies, and I miss that. I really do. In fact, um, I have a friend who recently had a baby, and actually, yeah, and I occasionally get to see the baby, and oh my goodness, I could totally do it all over again. Um, okay, so here are, you know, very brief stories, and I'm just going to go through the, the birth stories one by one, and I'm going to call them... Um, Baby A, baby B, baby C for A, B, and C. Okay, so here's the story. And it is it is a story. I mean, if you look at your own journey, your health journey or your traditional food journey or your spiritual journey, don't you, you look back and you see how far you've come, right? Well, that's what's going to, that's what I do whenever I think about these details. And I'm going to go through it myself as I'm sharing them. So baby A, I was 21 
when I got pregnant with baby A, and I had been a vegetarian and got pregnant, I started craving meat and ate lots of Wendy's chicken nuggets. We were standard American diet at the time, except I had been a vegetarian. So we went on to call baby A Nugget because we joked, you know, she was probably made mostly of chicken nuggets. <laughs> we didn't know anything at the time about a nourishing pregnancy diet like the kind you'd read about in Nourishing Traditions or the Weston A. Price Foundation a website. So I wasn't eating well, and that's putting it mildly. I really wasn't. I'd probably mineral deficient, protein deprived, and then I craved protein so I'm eating fast food protein to to you know fill that craving because I'm craving meat Um, we did check out all the usual birth books even natural birth books from the library we checked out videos Um, my husband and I read them and watched them together he got really interested in home birth but I wouldn't have anything to do with that I wanted a doctor I wanted a hospital I was scared I wasn't ready for doing anything outside the norm and he was very good and respectful about that. I kind of look back and I, I wish he'd pushed some more. Um, but anyway, he didn't. He was very respectful and I wasn't going to have any of that. I did know, though, that when we gave birth in the hospital, I wanted it to be um, as natural as possible. So I didn't, I, I did, you know, with all the books and everything we read, I, I bought into the, um, I bought into the idea that the more interventions you have, even with pain relief, um, the more clinical and hospital and, you know, the further down the road you get to birth being not natural and complications and then, you know, it's sort of like a slippery slope towards C-section. Um, that, I mean, that's what the statistics show and I, I believed that documentation. So yes, I wanted a doctor, yes, I wanted the hospital, that's what we decided to do. Um, but I didn't want interventions. I wanted a natural birth with no, no painkillers. We did move during this time. So mid-pregnancy, we moved you know, from one state to another, had to find a new OBGYN. He was highly recommended, and he voiced willingness to help us have a natural birth. Um, I was, and then just fast forward, well, yeah, he, 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 he at least said, oh yes, a natural birth is great. Now, fast forward to I'm a week overdue. There's no baby born yet. And um, the doctor is encouraging an induction, and we said, okay. And um, so we're back at the hospital to be induced. And um, they've got the, the monitor, the heart rate and everything monitor on me to see how the baby's doing. And it revealed that our baby's heart rate, when I would do just Braxton Hicks contractions, I was not in labor, but our, her heart rate was like plummeting by half, like slowing, anyway, severe heart rate reduction just during Braxton Hicks contractions. And so the nurses who were finding this information, they called the doctor, and he, over the phone, just said, well, you know, try these physical manipulations on her in case the cord is pinched, but get a C-section ready, she's getting a C-section. Um, there was no improvement in our baby's heart rate with the physical manipulations. So I guess I, I'm trying to remember how I felt at the time. I guess I felt like, well, doctor knows best. Um, baby's not doing well. Okay, we are doing a C-section. Signed on the dotted line because you have to sign paperwork and all that. And I was prepped for a C-section. And, and then I do definitely remember this. I remember 
feeling like like my spirit pulled out of my body and I was watching from above. I think it was such a shock because I'd wanted a natural birth and here I was being prepped for a C-section. And then, of course, the, there's the anesthesia. You can't feel your body. So I felt like I was watching somebody else. Um, like just, just I'm, I'm looking over it and it's so shocking I had to like distance myself from it mentally, emotionally. Um, because a C-section, I didn't go there at all in our reading, in our discussing with the doctor. It was like, no way, that's not happening. Never in a million years. I just didn't think we would be going there. I hadn't admitted the possibility at all. And so it was just a shock to be in that situation. And so I'm prepped and ready for the C-section. The doctor isn't there yet. The nurses um, were paging him. And when he finally showed up, um, this is what my husband heard, that he heard the doctor say, can I finish my pizza? <laughs> That's what he really said, because um, we heard it, or my husband heard it. So, you know, I have the C-section, it's over. I'm in the recovery room. I felt like I'd been run over by a truck, and I was also isolated, alone, cold. I still felt like I was outside of my body. Um, thankfully, my husband was with our baby girl, so... I knew that they were okay, but I did feel like so, well, it just wasn't what I expected. And there I'm in this room and I'm alone and cold. I'd been cut open. I wasn't expecting for any of this to happen. So I guess, you know, the feeling was like shock, surprise, disappointment, like what's going on, what's happening, um, but as I said, my husband was with our baby. He would not leave her side. That's what, um, you know, our family, my, my in-laws and everyone said afterward, they just said he was so good with her. He would not leave her. And I'm so thankful for that. I got out of recovery and I got to meet her. I did start feeling better right then because, you know, I'm with my husband and our new baby then. So, it's okay. <laughs> and I, I felt like that's when I got back into my body and started feeling like, okay, <laughs> I, I know what we're doing. And then the whole, you know, having a baby, your first baby and everything was really hard for me. Nursing was hard. It was hard for about two weeks. I didn't, I had babysat children when I was younger, but never a brand newborn. I just thought I would break her. And I had changed diapers, but I hadn't changed a newborn's diaper. And then there's the whole cord and not giving her a bath. And she, you know, nursing is hard. I, there's just a lot of crying for a lot of <laughs> a, a couple weeks. Um, and I felt like I was just learning everything brand new. Uh, my husband had taken care of lots of foster babies when he was a child. And he remembered those things. And he just, oh, my goodness, he bonds with every baby. There's he's just really good at that. So he gave me very good instruction and he was so like patient and encouraging and, you know, you can do it. You get, you're going to get used to it. It's okay. We're going to get through this. Um, the doctor. Okay. So I, I've skipped and said how the first couple of weeks was hard, but back to the birth the next day, I'm still, you know, you have a C-section. So you're in the hospital at least, I, I don't know if everybody is, but I still was. And the doctor checked on us the next day. I remember thinking it had been, you know, I hadn't seen him for so long. Like when he came in, I was like, you know, 
why didn't he check on me yesterday, like right after? But I don't know if it was his day off or what, but anyway. And the thing, that aside, I'm getting into my opinions here. Um, That aside, he never said a word about the C-section. He didn't ask how we felt about it. He didn't ask if it was okay. He didn't, there was nothing. And this was the doctor who had, um, you know, seemed so supportive and encouraging of what we wanted in our birth. And I'm not asking for a doctor to be our best friend, but he was a very engaging, like good bedside manner, very interested in your life, at least paid lip service to wanting to give you the birth that you wanted and believed in. So to me, it was really disappointing that all of that was forgotten afterward. And, you know, so that, that next day, there's, there's not even a, not even a token, like, um, you know, um, even how do you feel about that? Are you okay with all that happened? Do you want to talk about, there was nothing like that. And I mean, maybe that's malpractice rules. Maybe that's just, I don't know, but that was disappointing to me because he knew where we stood and my feeling was he's avoiding the issue of, you know, we didn't get the birth we wanted. Okay, he did tell us why a C-section was necessary. It wasn't, um, it wasn't apparent until after the birth. My placenta had not developed properly. He called it vasa previa. He drew a picture of it. I do still have that picture. Um, it means... I don't, I don't exactly know what it means, but it, I mean, it just has to do with like the blood, the blood supply is not all going into the umbilical cord. Like some of it's in the sac or something. So that explains why I'm having a contraction and her heart rate's going down because she's not getting her full blood supply. So that was amazing to hear. Like, um, okay, well, now I know the C-section was necessary, and thank the Lord for a C-section. And I know I've been talking about the whole experience and everything, but just know that I'm talking about how he's feeling in that moment, not having expected that, um, not knowing the end, like what would be revealed. So when you're going through it and you don't know like the reasons for it, you have a lot of doubts and disappointments. But then to come out of it, you know, the first thing that made me feel better was being reunited with our baby and with my husband. And then the next thing that made me feel better was the doctor telling us why the C-section was necessary. And so it sort of made it better that he didn't talk about it with us. Like, are you okay with it or whatever? Because whatever, he's a doctor. He's supposed to do a good job. He did a good job. He saved a baby. I mean, the jury's still out on whether she would have been okay if I had vaginally delivered, but I'm not going to go there because as far as I'm concerned, um, the Lord directed that and we have a healthy baby and, and needed that procedure to have a healthy baby. It doesn't cancel out all my feelings of disappointment or, you know, the birth wasn't what I wanted, et cetera. But it is an explanation, a reasonable explanation. It is what happened to us. Okay, so now I'm going to skip forward to baby B. And so it wasn't much later and I was pregnant with baby B. My diet was still not any better you know, fast food, processed food, bad fats, sugar, 
all of that. <laughs> However, at this point, I was ready to fight hard for a natural birth, and I'm sure my husband was glad. We started a Bradley childbirth class. Within a few meetings, we decided that home birth was for us. For me, it was mostly the fact that interventions lead to more interventions, and we got a hint of that in the reading we'd done with baby A, but the Bradley childbirth class really brought that out. The more interventions you do, the more interventions you need, and so C-sections can sometimes just be an inevitable conclusion because the interventions kind of make them necessary. Okay, and once again, opinion. <laughs> so please nobody feel judgment or whatever. So I just felt like I want to get out of that equation altogether, um, and I wanted to stay home to give birth um, because... Yes, the first birth had saved our daughter's life, but the hospital experience was so, like, everything opposite from home and comfortable. And I, I just wanted to stay home. <laughs> unless, I, unless I had to go to a hospital, I wanted to stay home. I wanted to default to home. And if there was reason to go to the hospital, thank you, Lord, you know, that I have that option to save me or save the baby. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work for being home. So after some searching, we found a wonderful, caring, experienced lay midwife. I'll refer to her as Jay. At the time we met her, she had helped birth 1,200 babies in our area. Uh, she carefully reviewed our birth story, like the, you know, the placenta issue and everything. She was you know, very compassionate, understanding. Um, she considered all that, felt there was no reason why we couldn't try to have a home birth. And my parents, in their generosity, loaned us the money to pay for her services. Her rates were very reasonable, but of course not covered by health insurance because, you know, we're going the unconventional route. We did have health insurance through an HMO, so I continued to go in for the checkups. Um, I didn't tell them, though, that we didn't plan to use their services at the end because um, we, we were just going to use their services if we had an emergency. So that was sort of like our, I mean, I feel silly telling you all that, that we didn't tell them, but we didn't tell them. <laughs> we, we just used it, you know, to monitor the baby's health and my health, and, and it was there as a backup. Um, mo for most of my prenatal visits, the HMO, I asked for the staff midwife. Um, not our midwife, but the one that was on staff there, because our midwife was a lay midwife. And so I didn't see the doctor very often, I'd, and that's how it worked. If you saw the midwife, you'd see the doctor, I don't know, a couple times, but the midwife is, you know, checking the health and everything like that and bringing in the doctor if necessary. And the birth was so, and pregnancy was so healthy that I didn't see the doctor very often. One thing that they did require for anyone who had a C-section was to take a mandatory class on VBACs, vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, I'm, you know, it's been so long, I don't know. I have a feeling that VBACs are not recommended anymore, but they were recommended back then. Maybe, I don't know, to keep costs down, or maybe there was a recognition that if the mom was healthy, that a VBAC was a good idea. Um, in any case, VBACs were recommended then, so they had a class on it, and I attended it. <laughs> I didn't like it, though. Uh, these are my uh, reactions to it. And I did have strong reactions to it because I actually did end up like writing a letter to the nurse that um, conducted the class. But anyway, I felt, you know, it's good they're encouraging ladies to consider a VBAC. We all had the option to do 
what we wanted. And maybe part of an HMO is the VBAC is less expensive than a cesarean. So maybe that's part of why they, you know, it, it works. So that's what we're going to recommend because it's less expensive. I don't really know. Um, so we all had the option to do what we wanted. However, in the class, the language was very medical. And this shouldn't surprise me, but um, it did. I think I'm just a, I'm just like a really like plain person. I just, things that are important to me are love and care and um, I'm not like immersed in a medical community. So like some of their language I found offensive and like not loving, not real, not, so things like take the baby, I just found offensive, but that's what they talk about with a C-section. They're, you know, well, we're, she's having trouble. We're just going to take the baby. And I, I don't like that language. Um, I find it clinical. I find it impersonal. I find it like kind of possessive, like they're just going to move in and you're losing control over your body and your choices and your baby. Um, and I know if you stand up for yourself, they, they're not going to force you to do anything. Um, but there's like this assumption and I'm, I'm getting into a rabbit trail here, but that's what I felt. And the other thing that came out of it was there was this really, um, strong recommendation to use pain medication, like really liberal use of medication. And I, I have not been in the birth, um, like the conventional birth community much at all. I mean, we did have our exper- our first experience, but we had a doctor who was very supportive of natural birth. We read lots of books on natural birth. Um, so I hadn't really been in a situation where pain medication was recommended so liberally. Um, I'd been in books and information and videos where birth was like embraced as natural and wonderful and, and pain is like part of it, but it's a, like a beautiful part of it. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole theology of, you know, <laughs> the first sin is why we have pain in childbirth. But so I know it's not a good thing. Um, but it was sort of like the, in the class, there's this clinical language of take the baby, you know, if you're having problems. And then there's the, um, well, you must all be like deathly afraid of pain. So, you know, we have all this pain medication for you, so don't worry about it. And I wasn't, I wasn't mostly afraid of pain. And I don't, I'm not speaking for everybody else, but that kind of language didn't speak to me. I mean, maybe we are afraid of pain and I don't want to be in pain, but what I feared the most, me feared the most, was going under the knife again and having a callous, uncaring doctor. I was afraid of not being with my child after she was born. I was afraid of recovering from birth in a hospital room where I couldn't sleep, where people are coming in and out all the time. Um, The C-section, like, (laughs) when they tell you you have to get up and walk and you've just been, like, gutted, and I I mean, how am I supposed to walk? Well, you have to get out about walk. Well... And that's a good thing. I mean, I'm glad they told me to get out of walk, get up and walk. Um, but then there's the recovery, six weeks to feel normal again. Those are the things that I was afraid of, not, um, you know, not pain. I wasn't afraid of, I didn't want to be in pain, but I wasn't afraid of pain. So as I'm sharing, you, you, 
you can tell that I'm coming into this with my own experience, right? I mean, the, the baby A's birth is really clouding how I'm taking this class and all the medical language and everything. Um, and I know everybody is different. So this is just me. This is what I, where I was when I was pregnant with baby B. And I didn't enjoy that VBAC class, <laughs> in case you didn't get that already. So, so while I'm doing the HMO care, our midwife Jay is coming to our place frequently uh, for in-house checkups. And you know what? I'm looking at my clock here, and I've already talked for 30 minutes. So, so much for keeping this under 30 minutes. So our midwife Jay is coming to our place frequently for in-house checkups. She was really refreshingly laid back, very knowledgeable and experienced. I went past my due date. The HMO said I would have to be induced at a week late, no matter what. Um, I didn't, we didn't accept that. We just didn't take a week induction um, appointment. We, we, you know, do we have to? Well, no, you don't have to. It might be a good, well, then I don't want to yet. I want to wait a little longer. Okay, that's fine. So they, they put an appointment on the books for when I was two weeks overdue. Um, <laughs> and at two weeks I called, and baby wasn't born yet, at two weeks I called in to reschedule for another week. And by that time, three weeks later, um, baby B had been born, It kind of in the nick of time. And it was fun <laughs> to call them and say, well, she, she was born at home. Oops. <laughs> and the nurse said, you knew all along that you were going to do this, didn't you? And then I did say yes. Uh, we did know this. This was our plan. And she kind of laughed, but then she just kind of chided me that it was very dangerous. Um, and I've had that. Well, I'm not going to go into that now. I was just so happy at that point. I didn't care what she said. I mean, we had had a home birth and it was beautiful, wonderful, and healthy. Um, just briefly describe baby B's birth. It was fast and furious. I had not labored or given birth before. Remember, the first birth was just a C-section. And so this one, it was like, well, I don't even know what birth is like or labor's like. So we didn't know how far labor was progressing. It seemed like I might have gone through transition. Um, I had thrown up at a certain period, and it was pretty intense. And now I know I threw up during transition. It was pretty intense with contractions that were long and close together. I'd been in labor most of the time on my side on a futon in a dark room. That's what felt the best. We called our midwife, Jay, and we said, like, things are happening. We think you should hurry. There was a storm. She arrived. The baby was crowning. Um, but it was really strange because my water hadn't broken. And this was one of the reasons that we didn't think I was as far along at first. Um, so she broke the sack, told me to push, and baby B was born really fast, <laughs> right on the bed. The birth itself was about five hours. And then our midwife, God bless her, she went to the kitchen and she made us scrambled eggs for breakfast. She cleaned things up. We talked about what to do with the placenta, which we buried, and everything felt really good. And nursing went really well from day one because I knew what I was doing this time. So it was a, it was a fast and furious but wonderful birth. And, you know, may, maybe I'll be able to go faster now. So baby C. Every, with every baby I'd had two, <laughs> I got more and more confident um, about, you know, natural birth. Jeff had been ready to think outside from the beginning, but I needed more time. So this time with baby C, we didn't have health insurance and HMO for a fallback. We knew we wanted Jay again as our midwife. She encouraged us to seek out a doctor who would be backup, uh, just in case we ended up at the emergency room. Um, 
And <sighs> this is probably a mistake. I called the doctor who'd done my C-section with baby A, and he said, no way. I'm not touching a home birth. Um, and we didn't find anyone else. We knew we could rely on the Lord. He'd been good to us so far, and we put our third birth in his hands too. We also lived in the city, hospital close, very experienced midwife, full knew the risks, knew my history, very good at, um, you know, you need to go to the hospital. You know, she takes patients to the, she takes pregnant moms to the hospital when they're having problems. So this time, our prenatal visits were, intent, were handled entirely by our midwife, Jay. She came to our place, or we went to hers. It was laid back and wonderful. I was still eating poorly. Um, I was probably a little improved, like more whole foods than processed, but everything was conventional. Um, it was the first pregnancy without an ultrasound at all, so we didn't know whether baby C would be a boy or a girl. We did know in the prior two births. So that was fun, and I have to say, if... I was, if I was going to have another child, I would do it the same way again. Be surprised. I love that. Um, and where our second child, B, where her birth was fast and furious, baby C was gentle yet intense. It was short, though. It was just three and a half hours. Um, I was in the bathtub. That felt really good during contractions. Once again, transition made me throw up. Our midwife was there in plenty of time. She even brought a midwife in training to assist. To assist. And when I was laboring but didn't need them, you know, at home, in your bathroom, your bed, your living room, wherever, it's so comfortable. Um, I just can't thank God enough for that. So when we didn't need them, they're napping or they're reading or they're just hanging out. When it was time to push, my husband called them to the bedroom and baby C was born on our bed. And then we slept and napped and nursed until the morning. And then our girls, first two, um, came home. They'd been off with my in-laws, and they came home and met their little brother. And so that's how baby C, our son, was born. So I'm going to wrap up. Um, from here, just some summary thoughts. Uh, God showed us how very much he cares for us and our children. He gave us wonderful births and healthy children in spite of my poor diet. And our children are so precious. We're thankful for each one and each birth, even the C-section. I never want um, our oldest child, A, to think that I regret her birth. I don't, and I couldn't. Having gone through it, I learned that I wanted to do things differently after that, if I could. And that is what experiences are for, right? I mean, they teach us things. So many things happen we don't want to happen. We learn from it, and we can make better or choices or you know, even if we don't have control, maybe we'll have more control in the future. I mean, God is in control. We do have daily choices to make. And so that experience of the C-section was a huge one for me that directed the rest of our um, births. And also, even though our children were born relatively healthy, I'm sure my poor diet had consequences because baby A had the funky placenta. Um, if I'd eaten a nursing diet, would it have been better? If I'd eaten better overall, would my children not have had food allergies or food sensitivities? What about our son's eczema? Um, our two daughters needed braces. Our son doesn't. And he's had the best diet from the youngest age. So while I look back with great thanks, I also wish I'd done things differently. You know, pregnancy care, how I nursed them in their first years. 
And I'm just going to end with this. Every day presents an opportunity to get on the right path, and it's never too late. So I've just shared our experiences of birth and through all the pregnancies I ate poorly, maybe getting a little better. Then our son was born, had eczema. Um, by the time he was two and, a, two and a half is when we found traditional foods. And that changed all the health conditions we were experiencing. But the whole thing is a journey. And I started out, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're ahead of where I was when we started. And now I look back, I'm so thankful for all the things God taught us, all the health he's restored to us, all the grace he's given us to be healthy, relatively healthy in spite of poor choices, poor planning. I'm so thankful that the life of each one of our children was in his hand, C-section, home birth. Um, He protected all of them, and he protected me. And I'm so thankful because really... Our lives are in his hand, hands, and we're safe there. So I have some questions for you. What were your births like? What did you learn from your births? What would you have done differently? What makes you look back on your births and smile? In spite of the sharing I've done on the things that I didn't like about my first birth, I look back and smile now because even the hard things have taught me so much and have made me and our family better they've revealed God's hand in our life. They've shown us ways that we can be better and make better choices and, you know, be more informed. So I'm thankful for everything, everything that happened that I shared and things that I didn't share because there's no time or they're too private. (laughs) So the show notes are waiting for you. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 127. I really want to hear from you about your births. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then, without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.